This is Aftermath, giving you the week that was in MMA. It's your man, the voice, track star sports MMA correspondent with my man, the one who knows more about the ground game than about anybody I know, <laughs> the bearded wonder himself, Josh Mosul. What's going on? Hey, man, what is up? Oh man, uh, uh, lots and lots is up, lots is up. We had a week chock full of fights, and we got another week coming up with what three fights between two major promotions. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Three fights in two days. No, I take that back. Four fights in three days because I forgot about uh, the. The major player uh, over in the Himalayas, literally in Asia, uh, won a <laughs> championship. This is true. I actually forgot about that as well. I was thinking about the three because I'm trying my hardest to pump out three articles by uh, Saturday morning. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, God bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to pump out a, a Bible class. And a sermon, I uh, have the distinct pleasure of being ordained on uh, this Friday the 13th. So I'm looking what? forward to that. Yeah. That yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I am uh, looking forward to that very, very much so. And uh, uh, because, or let me not say because of that, but as a reward for that, yeah. I, well, I've been teaching uh spiritual formations class before service starts. Uh but pastor texts me today and like, um, I know it's late notice, but can you preach? It's like, yeah, I, I got one <laughs> got one in the chamber, but I don't know if I should go with that one or uh one that's been laid on my heart most recently. So uh, I'll be praying for your man as I find out which one is to be given to the people now and i have a good feeling which one it is but i'm i'm uh i'm not looking forward to the work that it's gonna take to to pull that off uh, but <laughs> i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and if he's calling uh me to do then he will give me what i need to get it done amen uh, man all right well lots of folks got things done uh, over this time frame, why don't we take it from top to bottom and start off with the first card that has occurred since last we spoke, which is the Tough 27 finale. Uh, the fight of the night went to Alex Caceres and Martin Bravo. Man, yeah. I like to say bravo when people do well. Yeah, that, that fight <laughs> definitely gets a bravo, bravo. And then performance of the night bonuses went to the last style bender. I got to get it right. The last style bender. Israel, Adesanya, and the violent Bob Ross. 
who lives not too far from me in Hillsboro, Missouri. I'm in St. Louis, but not in Hillsboro. So uh, he got cows and stuff walking around. I don't. <laughs> but <laughs> Luis, the violent Bob Ross Pena. Um, what of these fights specifically uh, stuck out to you? Of any of them or those two? Yeah, or, uh-huh. um, well, the uh, Luis Pena fight obviously was um, was something else. I mean, it was definitely a travesty if you were watching the tough uh, season. Mm-hmm. Um, you watched him put on a very, very good performance um, in uh, during the season. And then right. he had a foot issue and, and was not able to continue, which uh, was very sad to see that but uh, i'm glad that he got his opportunity in the undercard and he impressed uh, especially I believe he had the guillotine choke or what he called the genetti teen or whatever I forget yeah what yeah, the, yeah the yeah the genetti team yeah, yeah he, uh, that he had picked up from the house uh believe it or not from one of his teammates that fought also on this card but uh, he did it against a the guy that was the submission specialist uh, which i think was um even more impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, definitely, uh, definitely enjoyed watching that, um, that fight in particular. Uh, something that a guy that I would definitely like to see more, definitely like to see more. Um, and it was good to see, uh, I'm, you know, not a guy, I don't know if I'd want to watch a hundred times, but he kind of became a, a favorite of mine watching the tough uh, season was John Gunther, um, just a really kind of a strange weirdo guy, but <laughs> I just liked him. I don't know what it was. It was good to see him get a win um, and uh, kind of put some things together that he kept talking about. And then I know that he trains at the same gym as Stipe Miocic, if I'm not mistaken, and mm-hmm. hearing him talk about him and what, what he does well and then seeing him to put it together um, against uh, – an opponent. I, I don't really have a any thing to stand on uh, as to how great of the opponent uh, he was. I think we only saw him fight once. Alan Z- Zungia, Zungaya, Zuniga, Zuniga. That's what it was. Um, only got to watch him fight the one time during the finale, but it was it was good to see John go out there, uh, go out there and get get a win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was. Um... Well, it was good for anyone to to get a win. Lots of decisions, boy. That that fight card really drug on. Um, so it's not a surprise that uh, Pena got a performance of the night bonus. This is one of the few finishes. Uh, the fight of the night between Caceres and Bravo. I mean, man, uh, Martin Bravo was once beaten entering the octagon and left with his second one but was it a fight i mean round one was all on the feet bruce leroy was just putting it to him took him down twice held a dominant position during the majority of the round then round two bruce leroy opened up with some combinations and hurt bravo his corner told him every time you hit him with the left you hurt him so he did it again at about the two-and-a-half-minute mark, uh, but he didn't quite capitalize on it. Uh, body kicks uh, have been a downfall for uh, Bruce Leroy, and in this fight, he kept throwing them, 
and nearly every time he threw one, Bravo caught it to take him down. Uh, it was, yeah, it, it was a really good back and forth fight. I think we were talking during this fight, and I mentioned just the uh, the Bushido and the warrior spirit that Caceres has. When he had him hurt in that second round, he did not, he didn't jump on him to take him out. He tried to, he tried to kiss him. I want to say in a rear naked choke. So the rear I'm naked choke. Pretty like sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a rear naked. I think he jumped on his back and was too high and got uh, sl- uh yeah, got Bravo yeah. slipped out the the backside. Yeah, um, he really does this, Bruce Leroy, as a means of testing himself and testing his skill. He's really not in there to um to hurt anyone. I I want to say. He follows a Buddhist mentality where, like, he doesn't kill anything. Uh, kind of reminds me of Mac Danzig in that sense. Uh, but, which is the reason why he probably jumped for the guillotine, which is what I think I share with you. Yes. Or, I'm sorry, the the choke, the rear naked choke. Uh, because he'd rather have him tap out than knock him out. So, uh, but, yeah, it made for a very entertaining 15 minutes. Yeah, and those are the small details um, that you learn about fighters. Um, and I'm glad that you shared that because I actually asked you the question. I said, why why did he not try to finish him? You know, not necessarily knowing that you would have an answer, but just, you know, kind of trying to figure it out myself. You know, why did, why do you think he went for that? And then you were actually able to share that with me. And, I mean, it, it, it presents that in a new light of, oh, okay. So now it wasn't a, a an error or, or a mistake. It was, I mean, it was something pre-planned and there was a, the purpose behind it and and uh, so in the, all that chaos there was actually a little bit of purpose outside of you know just beating your opponent so i right. thought it was interesting to uh to learn cool well that that's what aftermath is all about that's why your man the voice uh is sharing the knowledge that he has curated over the past woo, about 13 years or so of being a hardcore uh, wild eating, I mean, wild man of a uh, MMA fan. Uh, though I, well, anyway, uh, just sharing the the info that I'm aware of and that I've been made aware of. Uh, let's talk about the main event: Israel, Adesanya, and Brad Tavares. What were your thoughts? I wasn't exactly sure what we were going to come into. Um, I don't think a lot of people were. I mean, you had both sides. Uh, if you looked through any predictions, most articles, um, it was kind of split down the center of Tavares just being a brute and just bringing the pressure. And then Israel with that uh, very distinct, very personalized uh, striking style and, and kind of finesse reminds me a lot of uh, – MVP over at Bellator, mm. the kind of guy that is a very good athlete, a very good striker, and is even better probably at making you not fight your own game because you get mad at him. Uh, I was beyond impressed uh, watching that fight, though, and just how completely in charge he was. I mean, mm-hmm. even when far as – would uh would go in to just try to get a get him on the ground. Would go for a shoot. I think he, I think he Tavares got him on the ground twice that I can think of, and within I mean seconds 
He was right. back up. At one point, he got him down and actually got a, a dominant position, I think, for the only takedown of the night uh, for, for Brad Tavares. But I believe Israel <laughs> reversed it and ended up almost on his – it was just – it was incredible. I mean, everything, the the how he used um, his body movements to use the tough, brute, strength style against Tavares as he would as he would come in hard he would kind of just slap him out of the way and and use that to to draw distance and keep him at distance I mean everything he did was precise everything he did was well orchestrated well planned even to the little dance moves and you know <laughs> fixing his hair when when he'd swing and miss you know and ooh, you know I think he did it at one point on a big heavy right you know it missed and he like kind of fanned himself said thanks and then started fighting everything <laughs> so calculated um and it was just pure dominance pure dominance against a very good fighter i mean i don't want anybody to think that uh that brad tavares is is any kind of a slouch by any means and that they put him again i mean he's a very good fighter in his own right and he he looked like a rookie out there i mean there was just nothing he, he couldn't touch him yeah, I want to say Tavares going into the fight may have been ranked eighth. I know he was at least in the top ten as far as the middleweight division was concerned. And the complete performance that Adesanya delivered is really what stood out to me. I mean, we knew about his phenomenal striking from the first two fights that he had in the UFC. But I did not know about his wrestling skill. That was the, that really was the question that everyone had going in. It was like, look, Tavares is a battle-tested veteran who is a grinding kind of fighter. Going into this matchup, that seemed like the worst thing for Adesanya because no one had seen his ground skills and most people who come in as kickboxers have no ground game. Little did we know that while he's been doing kickboxing, while he, yeah, while he was doing kickboxing, I heard this on uh, someone's show this week. I, I want to say, uh, I forget who it was, but I was listening and, and all, the whole time he's been kickboxing, he's been training grappling, he's been wrestling, he's been participating in uh, submission grappling events and things of that nature to round out his skills. So, you know, though he comes in primarily as a striker, he has a vast base of skills at his disposal that nobody knew about because he just hadn't been tested in that fashion. I mean, you talk about the ground in the fifth round, he showed those ground skills off with some good scrambles, uh, submission attempts. He went for a triangle, I want to say in the, the third or fourth round, uh, but he went for a guillotine to close out round five. I mean, I, I was I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And obviously, uh, Dana and everyone else was because I can't think of a time where a fighter won performance of the night and didn't finish a fight. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and I didn't do any research before this to find it out, but uh, if there's someone else, it obviously wasn't a performance like this because it doesn't stand out to me. This was a defining moment, a watershed moment 
in his career really was his coming out party. And as the proud Nigerian that I am and the proud Yoruba man that I am, I can't be any more happy for uh, Israel Adesanya. I had I had uh, Mo, shout out to Mo, who is our football correspondent for Trackstar Sports and also one of the hosts of the In the Field podcast. Mo is from Nigeria and she lives in uh, stateside now. And I asked her, I was like, look, can you please, uh, because I was born here, I don't speak Yoruba. I was like, can you please uh, uh, um, interpret what he said? It's like his name, a whole bunch of cursed words. <laughs> Something else. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, well. Uh, fair enough, fair enough, because I, I was hoping that there was something of substance there to share uh, with the people, but uh, not so much. <laughs> not, not so much. Yeah, not not so much, uh, but that's all right. Style on them for Niger. Niger stand up. All right. Uh, so that was that. Moving on to the next fight. Now, all three of the fights were under the, I can't say Zufa banner, but um, I forget what they call it now. UFC uh, promotions or uh, who knows? It's it's under uh, the UFC. So next one was UFC two twenty six. The well, not the granddaddy of them all, but international fight week nonetheless. And uh, it was a very very uh, good fight card, specifically the main card. Oh my goodness. Great fights all the way around. No fight of the night on this one though. Or I should say no fight of the night on the card. And really the uh I don't know if you saw the prelims or not, but boy, I was a bit concerned <laughs> going into the main card. It's like oh, the prelims suck. It was supposed to be, you know, great on paper, but that's why you fight the fights, the ones that you think are going to be great aren't always great and then the ones that you don't even you're not even paying attention to wind up being phenomenal uh but with that being said there were four performance of the night bonuses i truly feel like if there was a fight of the night that it could have and should have gone to felder and perry they really went out there and left it all in the cage i mean i, I don't know if anyone has seen the shots uh, that were either it, they were at the hospital. I was going to say in the ambulance. But they were at the hospital of Paul Feld and him just bleeding all over the place, dried <laughs> up blood on his face. It was just like this hospital sucks. I would have to agree uh, with you. If you're sitting there all that time and no one's even cleaned you up, uh, but I mean it was an absolute war. And again, had that um, had there been a fight of the night, I think it should have been that one, and it really should have. I mean. Felder broke his arm in the first round. and Or let me not say the first round, but he broke his arm, and he was still throwing that right. And yeah. not just throwing elbows, throwing, um, you know, throwing hard rights with a broken arm. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I it, That, that should have been fight of the night, in my opinion. But I digress. You had four performance of the night bonuses. One to the newly crowned champ champ, D.C. Daniel Cormier. One to the former WEC, former UFC lightweight champion, Anthony Showtime Pettis. 
You got Khalil, the warhorse, Roundtree, former tough contestant who knocked out um, Gokan Saki. And from the prelims, the only prelim that was about anything, uh, and that was a really good fight too before it got stopped, Paulo the Eraser Costa or Barcinha in Portuguese, uh, erasing who everyone thought was the next coming of Anderson Silva in Uriah Hall. So, yeah, to, uh, what stood out to you about the, not necessarily the, the fights that I talked about, but just the card in general? Uh, well, you you kind of touched on um, it seemed like between uh, the Tough 27 finale and UFC uh, 226 that they were going for the longest running times <laughs> of, of all time uh, with very minimal stoppages uh, in the tough finale to go right back into the undercard of um, 226 and run four of the six, I believe, uh, of the fights went to decision as well. Um, the Paulo Costa-Uriah Hall fight was uh, – that was the only fight I got a chance to watch um, because you we had – the right one. I know I got there right at the right time. We kind of got in early. I wasn't sure. Again, I'm in a place that doesn't really – they're hit or miss on UFC fights. Um, it seems like I'm learning that if it's not Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor, uh, they're not going to pack anything out here. So that's nice. But we got there right at the start of that fight while they're making the announcements. Great fight. Um, I believe I saw someplace in an interview with – MMAfighting.com or MMA Junkie. I'm not entirely sure that um, Costa said that he is the hands-down best striker um, in the division, and he put that on full display. I can't, uh, you know, I can't, I can't jump aboard of whether he's the best striker or not. But he said that he was, and then he went out and um, and, and and proved it in this fight, at least, that he was the better of the two at that uh that fight it was a great one um and then the whole main card i thought well save the co-main event but the rest <laughs> but, and i'm sure we'll talk about that um Look, there, but, there's really nothing to talk about there. We, can, we, uh, we can uh breeze right past that when Dennis yeah. lewis by leg kick i think i tweeted uh, yeah i believe i believe you got i think somebody else i saw a couple of tweets if you have not the best part about that fight are the tweets I highly recommend it or the memes or the gifts check any of those out because that was the best part of the fight. Um, I saw one that said Derek Lewis uh, defeats Francis and Gano via stare down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had one that said it was a majority draw for Herb Dean for the most action when he, when he stopped. Wow. <laughs> um, there was a couple of good ones, but besides that fight, which I would like to talk a little bit, um, when we get to the to the main event, I would like to come back to that fight in particular, especially in Ghana. But it was a great card. I put it in my my uh, preview predictions article that as far as the matchmakers, um, this is one of the best cards, top to bottom. Even before you know, even with the Derek Lewis Francis and Ghana fight, which turned out to be weirdly nothing um, on paper, this was some of the best matchups. 
that that I've, I've seen, and I did very terribly. Uh, that was that was horrible grammar. I did not very good uh, on the predictions because of that. And in the article that I wrote when I did the previews, um, I was pretty clear on that, that I really have no idea between any of these fights because these are really, really good fighters fighting against other really, really good fighters. And it's anybody's game. And I only made a prediction because I had been doing that uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, but really, really great matchmaking on on this uh this entire main card yeah i, I agree wholeheartedly it, it was very good overall now um the reason i ask about any fights is because i'm letting you lead the dance uh, sir i have stated what i'm going to state now uh add a little season salt on the things that you say but uh what fights uh, I, obviously you want to talk about the main uh, event which definitely should and deserves being talked about but were there any other fights that really stood out to you I know I talked about the Roundtree uh, victory because nobody was giving that one to him so you weren't alone in picking Gokan Saki uh, I don't think anyone thought that Khalil Roundtree was going to win because Roundtree is primarily a striker Gokan is a world-class striker, and when you got two strikers going at it, generally the one with the most experience uh, and the one with the seemingly better resume, you would favor to win. Not so much uh, in this fight, though, because Khalil caught him real nicely uh, with, I would say, an uppercut uh, that dropped him, but I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Um Showtime looked great in his fight. He looked like the old Showtime. And I heard in some post-fight press conferences, you know, him just talking about how he had to go back to, yeah, it was a post-fight press conference, how he, he had to go back to just being himself and not worrying about everything. And that's understandable. He was on the top of the world until RDA came and knocked him off of his perch. And what did that was wrestling. So he was like, well, I got to focus on that. I got to get this together. And he was so focused on his wrestling that he forgot the partner that brought him to the dance. And that was his phenomenal fluid striking and his vastly underrated jujitsu game. Yes. Vastly underrated is perfect. Um, to to go back to go back to the Roundtree, uh, Saki fight. I'm I'm not going to talk much about it, but uh, of all the fights that I predicted and got wrong, the only one I got right was the Roundtree. Oh, well, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> I I had a hunch, and I even put in the article that I said that that Khalil Roundtree has a vicious left hand, and I thought that that would be what puts it over the top, and uh. Nailed it. I had first round KO for Roundtree, and I thought I was going to go off good on this card. <laughs> and uh, well, that was the end. I, I never got anything else right. Yeah. So, well, you, you started <laughs> on the right foot. Unfortunately, you ended uh, uh, yeah. many times over on the wrong foot. <laughs> on the wrong side. But the Pettis fight, um, yes, Pettis looked super fluid, um, especially on the ground, which uh, was fantastic. Again, a couple really good transitions. Um, 
I believe he was th- he threatened a few different times with a few different things and was able to every time Michael Chiesa moved to get away from it, um, he was already setting something up, which means he was already a step ahead. Um, finished with triangle armbar, if I'm not mistaken. Super smooth, very early in the second round. Uh, you you hit the. I mean, you talked about the Felder Perry fight, just a, a war. Um, yeah, really, just a good fight, a fun fight. Um, and then, uh, I guess I'll talk before, cause I, I, I definitely want to hit again, the main event here, but I did want to talk before we get to the main event. Um, cause obviously if you watched at all, or if you've been alive the last week, you realize that, uh, Daniel Cormier did defeat Steve Miocic in the, uh, the heavyweight, the title fight, the, to become the, the double champ, the champ champ. Uh, what I wanted, the reason I wanted to, to mention Francis Ngannou is his his last fight was against Stipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you did not watch it, uh, I mean, all jokes aside, <clears throat> Derek Lewis was dealing with, I believe, um, some serious back spasms. You could actually hear him on his uh, in his corner uh, in between the rounds, saying like, "My back hurts too bad. I don't want to go." And his coach was, you know, "Come on, you got five minutes. Give me five more minutes. You're already this far into it." And and you could see he was wincing in pain. And every so often he'd take a step, and it, you you could see it hurt him, and he'd reach back. Um, so I understood his lack of action. But uh, Francis Ngannou, I mean, the the this this number one contender, this guy that was supposed to come in and was favored to beat Stipe in their last fight to win the title. And then Stipe just puts on a five-round domination. Um, do you think, and this is my question to you, I guess, do you think that that more or less messed up Francis Ngannou was, was being purely dominated uh, in, a, in a sport that he has been completely dominant in? Um, do you think that that had something to do with it, that he was just second-guessing himself? Or is this something like one of those weird cases where all of a sudden, if he doesn't go see like a sports psychologist, his career's over with? I mean, he I think he threw – I just looked at the fight metrics. I want to say he threw 17 punches. Yeah. And landed – our 21 punches landed nine or strikes. Um, That's crazy. Throughout 15 minutes. I mean, he threw basically uh, – one Seven strikes of a round. So do you think that that had something to do with it, the, the Stipe fight, before we jump into that fight um, as well, well? Because I'm going to use that to kind of build into a, another uh, thing, I guess. Okay, to, to another point. Well, uh, speaking of that point, uh, that jump-off point, he admitted that he carried the fear of the previous fight into this fight. He said that in post-fight uh, press conferences that uh, the fear that he had in that fight he carried over. And I was listening to the MMA beat today. Uh, salute to MMA fighting. Uh, I really feel for them with the loss of Ariel Helwani because I've been following them for a while, listening to the different things, watching the beat, watching uh the MMA hour <laughs> and um, let's just say viewership is down. Like what used to be a couple hundred people on a Thursday afternoon is barely a uh, hundred now, if that much. So 
Uh, yeah, viewership is definitely down. Anyway, I digress. As I was watching it today, and they were talking, they mentioned specifically, and I'll have to go back and watch the fight because I it was too far uh, in the past. I don't remember it. That was the beginning of uh, of the year. That was on the first quarter of the year. I remember him just getting absolutely demolished and him running out of energy. And I thought maybe he was conserving his energy because he was afraid of that. But on the show, uh, Derek Lewis, or they quoted Derek Lewis, was saying, no, the person who stepped in the octagon was not the same person who was saying he was going to sleep me when we've been doing this buildup. It's like he was like literally scared. You look in his eyes and he was scared. So you really hit the nail on the head. Does he need a sports psychologist? Absolutely. And they said specifically the fourth round. Like I said, I have to go back and watch it because I don't remember. Uh, I just remember him getting whooped. So, uh, you know, could have been fourth round, could have been third round. I remember it was around the, after the second round, he just didn't have anything left to give. Um, and yeah, not, now that I'm thinking about that fourth round was a very, very dominant round. I want to say that's the round that all of the judges gave Stipe a 10-8. And I think that really has uh, broken him because, you know, like you said, he's on top of the world. He's the hardest puncher uh, that there is based on metrics. You see the replay and it doesn't matter how often I've seen it. I shudder every time I see um, Overeem do the pants dispenser. I mean, it it, it doesn't get it, it doesn't get any less scary every time I see it. It's like, oh my goodness, it's just it, 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 thinking about it scares me. So when you go from that to to being on the receiving end of that, it does something to you. It does something to you. So uh so, yes, uh, to set up your point, I agree with your line of thinking wholeheartedly. And based on what the participants in the fight have said, you're right on the money. That's, that's just something I, I had wondered watching it. I mean, even if you go and just watch the fight, anytime Derek Lewis even would do the slightest feint, um, you would see him pull back and you'd even see you'd see him flinch. And, and uh, I, I just thought it was interesting as I was watching it. And the reason I had, I had brought that up, and honestly, it was a question I wanted to ask somebody that, uh, you know, I respect in, in watching MMA. And because, um, you know, again, I can talk with, you know, a buddy of mine who watches it uh, if I drag him to Gators Dockside and, and we watch it. <laughs> um, and he's going to go, yeah, if, sure, that's exactly what it is. Um, but I wanted to ask somebody that, uh, like I said, I trusted and that uh, I, you know, I, I respect in, in this this um, this area, and to well, go you. off um, of that, yes, sir, would be uh, now that going into the main event. And again, Daniel Cormier defeated Stipe uh, Miocic in the first round, the end of the first round, four thirty three, I believe, four thirty, my notes say four thirty three. In the first round, it was KO. Um, honestly, I can't. If, if somebody predicted Daniel Cormier to win this fight at all by KO, um, I, w- I would be surprised. Um, it seemed like the uh, general consensus or the majority consensus was that if, if Cormier were to win, it would be by decision. And I thought if he were to win by decision, it would be a relatively dominant uh, decision with, with takedowns and ground control and, and decent striking, great clinch work. 
uh, which turned out to be how he got the KO with his fantastic clinch work. Um, I guess my question is this. I don't think that Stipe is first-round knockout caliber fighter for even a guy as, as talented as Daniel Cormier. Uh, we, we just talked about the Francis Ngannou, who was this, this, this powerhouse that yeah. he was promoting like crazy, and we saw what he did to him. And I'm sorry, but Francis Ngannou punches far harder than Daniel Cormier. Um, I, you nailed it when I don't think there's, according to fight metrics, nobody punches harder than Ngannou, and Stipe ate a number of those punches. Well, you know what? Ngannou didn't really catch him clean, though. He kept trying, and I think that was a great part of the issue. He In that fight, I remember specifically, he was just sw- kept swinging wild, and it was Stipe's speed that befuddled him and kept him from being effective. Now, as far as the hardest puncher is concerned, which is another reason why this co-main event was such a disappointment. Um, who was it? Derek Lewis took that title from him. Derek Lewis is now the hardest puncher in the UFC, which makes yeah ma- makes that even worse. But anyway, go ahead. But exactly okay um but just uh where was i going with this <laughs> uh oh what we were talking um me personally again as i was saying i don't think that stipe is is uh is a first round knockout candidate on anybody's card i don't think i would hope that nobody thinks that this is something that um we should have expected um, I know mm-hmm. he's been relatively underrated and under talked about because he's not flashy. He's not, um, he's just a kind of a real quiet, doesn't trash talk a lot. His trash talks kind of bad really, because he's just a nice guy in general, I guess. <laughs> he's, yeah, his, his talking in general is, yeah, is pretty slow. bad. It sounds like he's got a, uh, a bag of rocks in his mouth when, when he's speaking. Uh, but Hey, as far as the story is concerned, and I know that's the reason why you went with him. Uh, he's a decorated firefighter, a, a man's man, a r- real American hero, and he gets the job done. I can't remember the last time he's been stopped. He's been stopping a ton of people, including the champion, to get the belt. So, um, <sighs> yeah, you know, it, you're right. No, no, I no one saw this coming. I'm not a person who bets, but I'm sure that prop bet paid out big time. Because I, I can't remember the last time DC has knocked anyone out. I, I can't remember him knocking anybody out, honestly. It's been oof. it's been a while. <laughs> uh, I guess, so where I want to go with this uh, full circle is, is again, when, when you probably know my opinion, but at the end of the fight, mm-hmm. um, was challenged by uh, Daniel Cormier. Um, personally, and I'm just going to put it out there, I absolutely hate it. I think it's detrimental to the sport. I think it's an insult to the sport. I understand it, but I don't accept it, if that makes sense. I get yeah. it. You want to make money, but I think it's ridiculous. And I think what it does is it alienates fight fans, real fight fans, and it brings in just this ridiculous – not saying that other people watching for no reason are ridiculous. What I'm saying is – 
that for someone like you and I, I think it cheapens the experience. Personally, I probably will not watch this fight. I will not go out and pay money to watch Brock Lesnar fight Daniel Cormier because A, I don't think it'll last very long. And B, I just I think it's weird that a guy who's technically on a two fight losing streak with two first round TKO losses and a no contest uh, for PEDs or steroids um, is getting a title shot. I dislike it. What I would like to see, however, and I'm not going to make any excuses for the man because he lost. I would like to see a Stipe, uh, or a DC and Stipe Miocic two. And the reason I say that is I don't think that Stipe had his head fully in this fight. And that's where I guess I was going with this is saying mm. him fight against Francis Ngannou the way he did. And not even Francis Ngannou, anybody that he's fought to get the belt, uh, keep the belt three times. Again, that's a UFC, uh, UFC record. record. Yeah. This is not a slouch. This is not a dude that's just somehow he's gotten, he's lucked his way into this. This is a legit heavyweight fighter. I would like to see these two fight again because Stipe at the time, and if you've watched all of his pre-fight interviews, even after the fight, um, he got on a plane and went straight home. His wife was due like any day. They weren't sure. They actually had uh, contingency plans in case the baby came before the fight of how they would be able to communicate and how they would do and who he would send to the bedside to make sure she had some. All this stuff was going on, and even watching him walk in, he just didn't look in it. And I actually mentioned it to my wife. I said, he might be in trouble. He's He looked different. He didn't look confident. He wasn't carrying himself with confidence. He wasn't – it just it was something about it in his eyes. Again, not making any excuses for him. Man lost the fight. DC is a phenomenal fighter, and I'm not taking anything away from, from Daniel Cormier. I personally, instead of Brock Lesnar, I want to see – uh, Cormier uh, Miocic too, and I would like to see that before Cormier, who says that he's already uh, considering retirement on his 40th birthday. I would really, really – that's the fight I want to see because I want to see these two guys go at it because I feel like we lost out on the war that we were anticipating, um, and I think that part of that could have been that, that, that the champ's head was just not fully in the fight, and he was splitting – he was, he was in two different places. He was back home with his wife, which absolutely – and, again, I'm not going to say that you need to be fully – I get it. You know, my wife's pregnant now. We're expecting in October. I couldn't imagine – Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I could not imagine if, if October 1st is the due date. If I'm leaving two days before that, you know what I mean? I can't imagine if I would be fully focused on whatever my uh, goal is uh, as well. And I think that played – or had part to play in it. Um, I think DC even said something about it. He goes, I was, I realized I wasn't scared when I found it. He didn't punch that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, hard for me to believe that uh, Steve Fay doesn't punch that hard. And, uh, but he, he's not wrong. I mean, it didn't look like DC. It didn't look like he was snapping his head back. And, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but, but, or, or to, to point out anything, but Cormier didn't look like, like a stout heavyweight. He looked like just a heavier version of himself. I actually said that to my wife as well. I said, wow, I wonder if, if conditioning is going to become an issue because he, he looked heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it obviously, I mean, we don't really know, well, but he yeah, looked, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> one round. But um, I mean, this was a, he was right. I mean, there's nothing snapping him back. There's really nothing that he respected. I mean, he caught a couple of shots early and decided I'm just going to walk through him and I'm going to get to the clinch. And he did over and over again. And uh, 
to Cormier's credit and his team's credit, much like Conor McGregor called his shot against Jose Aldo months before he did it, Cormier said that we had been working for weeks and even months on the fact that when Stipe comes out of the clinch, he drops his hands and picks his head up. He says, but also Stipe's team is very good at watching other fighters and knows that I like the, uh, the collar tie mm-hmm. and, the uppercut. Uh, and the uppercut. And he mm-hmm. goes, so I knew he would block it. So we were, pr- we were practicing on the uppercut and then the right hand to the ear. <laughs> and sure enough, it worked. So, I mean, again, not taking anything away from DC was an awesome fight. Uh, well-deserved. Um, a man who, you know, I think he said it, that I went from, from crying in this stage, or from crying in this octagon, <laughs> you know, a little bit ago to, to holding two belts. Um, again, not making any excuses for anybody. I just want to see that fight again. And I, I definitely understand what you're saying. You're in the minority. <laughs> I know. But here's the, here's the thing regarding the fight that everyone is talking about. I really don't think it's going to happen. I believe what we will see is Jones and DC at heavyweight. Um, I think just because Jones, oh, Jones has been out now. Oh, I don't know. It, it depends on what Usada does because this is a second go around for him. Honestly, for DC, we don't know what's going to happen. He's talking about Stipe. I mean, not Stipe. He's talking about possibly Shogun. Uh, Malky Kawa is throwing uh, uh, Yoel Romero's hat in the ring. Would love to see that. Oh my goodness. I would love to see that fight. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen. Can Brock pass a test? That's true. That's that's the big question, I guess. Right. Because we know that he's been, you know, it, it, it's it's a given. You've been using steroids you've been using them in a fashion where you wouldn't get caught by the um by the wwe but who knows they may do they may do testing like testing was done before and just test the night of an event and you only wrestle you know every blue moon or so so you got time to cycle off of those things has it been enough time for him to get that stuff out of his system where he won't uh pop positive i don't know that's really the big question. Uh, DC's hand is hurt. So will he have time to fight two fights before he turns 40? I don't think so. So that there are so many question marks going on. Who knows what's going to happen, but uh, depending on what USADA does with John Jones, if they give him 18 months, then I can see that fight happening. If they give him two years even, I can still see that fight happening just because of his the the absolute blood feud that is um, DC and John Jones. Outside of that, I, I really don't know. I don't know who he's gonna fight. I don't know either. Yeah, you. I mean, you you hit it with uh, um, uh, Shogun and, and Romero. I I would be very surprised at Romero, but. Uh, Cormier could be uh, stirring stirring the pot to add some additional beef. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of his comments uh, towards uh, a possible Romero fight, but uh, they're rather comical. Uh, I believe he said that you can't fail two classes and get a letter grade bump. 
<laughs> that, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's I, pretty I good. Everybody and he's kind of called him out. But, you know, then again, I mean, that could be, that could just be, uh, you know, a, a money, money tactic there. Um, I definitely know that I was in the minority uh, with the second Stipe fight because I know that I feel like I'm the only guy that really thought that Stipe was a legitimate contender. Uh, oh, well, I mean, he, he was the uh, – well, let, let's not downplay Stipe. He no, is the most de- – well, not let me not say most decorated, but he is the best heavyweight champion in the history of the UFC because he's Absolutely. won more – than anyone else exactly he just didn't fit what people expect the profile of the baddest man on the planet uh, we want you know a guy that you know uh, lives up to that moniker so to speak and, and Stipe was was happy being his little firefighter part-time firefighter slash part-time or full-time UFC uh, heavyweight champ and a lot of people the wrong way but I know for a fact I would love to see that fight. I'm with you on the Lesnar thing. We have to see uh, USADA. I would not be surprised at all to see Jones Cormier three. I know that's the one that Cormier. Won. I believe that's the one. I know he won't say it necessarily, but I think if Cormier can beat Jones, um, that helps just cement everything he's done. I mean, that's kind of the only thing sticking over. He can beat anybody, but. John Jones. I think if he got the opportunity, even after forty, I think he would jump on that. I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that fight will happen at heavyweight, and that just changes everything because it's obvious that DC was operating at a deficit at uh, light heavyweight, which makes his claim to possibly being the greatest ever that much better because I'm winning championships and I'm dominating everyone except for um, possibly the greatest ever to do it at a diminished state. What will happen when he's at his true weight and heavyweight? And what can, what how do Jones's skills translate with the extra weight on him? Yeah, yeah that 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 that's the fight. Um, when it'll happen, I don't know, but I definitely expect to see that fight take place all right well let's wrap up with a little bit just a little bit of dana white tuesday night contender series talks let's just talk about because the the other fights were they were they were (laughs) i mean this this really was probably the worst uh worst one of the season but when you got a jillion contracts being given out and every fight ending by stoppage you know, you got to have an off week at some point. Uh, the two people who got contracts, which it was understandable, you had uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series alums that got it, and that's been the way that things have happened. If you come on the second time and you win both times, you generally get a contract. So Jordan Espinosa did his thing against Riley Dutro. Uh, they both dropped each other. Uh, in the round, in the first round, and Espinosa was definitely the aggressor with the hardest shots. Round two, Jordan distanced himself even more so with clean striking, dropping Dutro again, and then with just seconds left in round three, 
He did it again, brother. Dropped him with a check left hook, and Mark Smith had seen enough and waved it off. Uh, <laughs> Dana, he, I don't, I won't say he loves, but I know the matchmakers hate the Tuesday Night Contender Series because he's always doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. And he probably does this behind the scenes with other people too. It's just that he doesn't get a chance to see fighters as often as he used to. And he gets all excited because he gave two contracts, one to Espinosa and then the other to Jackson Wink fighter, uh, Bavon Lewis, who was already under a developmental contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came out there and with three knees, not three kings, unless... Uh, <laughs> Uh, unless he got crowns on his knees, and I didn't see those tattoos, but yeah. Three knees, closed things out, and punched his ticket to the big show. Yeah, uh, any any further information that you want to share about the Tuesday Night Contender Series? Oh, uh, let, let me take that back. I know you got something else to add because you want to talk about the main event, so I'll yield the floor. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, Kevin Aguilar is a young man that I've I've it, we talked about him uh, a couple months ago um, in the LFA uh, when we, we we discussed the LFA unification featherweight uh, unification title fight. Man, that's a lot of words to say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, with the vicious, vicious, vicious knockout of Tonley, um, in order to unify uh, his belt, and he had talked at the end of that fight that he was really, you know, Dana White, you know, what else do I have to do? I mean, this is a promotion, LFA, that, uh, and I believe they even mentioned it as he was coming up, that rarely sees a, a title, uh, a champion defend his title before he's getting snatched out, and Aguilar had defended, I believe, three times at this point. Um, so I was definitely looking forward to this. I got a chance to, uh, you know, to see it. Uh, you know, I, um, it was a good fight. I know I was really hope I was really hoping for the finish. Um, the kind of uh, fight though that kind of hurts Aguilar style. Aguilar is a uh, he kind of reminds me of a slightly he he reminds me a lot of the same style as like a Paul Daly. He really wants mm. to slow up and crush you. Um, however, uh, his ground game is something that's worked on a little bit. And Gomez um, was very happy to actually stand and trade for a while and uh, was actually landing some pretty solid strikes of his own. Um, and then I eventually caught one of those left hands from Aguilar, which then led to a couple of uh, body lock. And then I think he drug Aguilar down and, and was able to sit there and uh, round two, same way. And then round three, um, round two being going the same way as in they decided they were going to stand and trade. Cause again, looking for contracts, you're going to get a contract. You knock some dude's head off or you get a ridiculously quick submission. Um, Gomez, uh, more of a drag you down, stay on top, dominates you for position, jockey in for transitions and, and submission attempts. Um, not something that typically gets you a contract. So the third round, it seemed like I believe they stood the whole time and were trading. And that's where Aguilar, in my opinion, really, uh, was able to show what he was doing. I think the strikes uh, landed some very, very good strikes, very clean strikes. And I have to give it to Gomez um, for taking some of those shots. I believe he was wobbled a few times in the third round. Um, disappointing that he didn't get the contract. I understand it though. Again, you nailed it. They've been throwing contracts out like, uh, like the Tootsie Rolls or something. 
um, just as fast as he can get them in. Um, but it was it was neat to see uh, Aguilar on there. I would not be surprised if we see him again on, a, on another season um, and get another shot at this. Uh, uh, the great fighter, the kind of fighter that, that UFC uh, likes to have, um, guys that are just uh, headhunters, but also relatively well-rounded, was able to uh, do a little thing. I think he even threatened with his own submissions in the first or second round. So that's all I got for that one. All right. Well, uh, that's more than enough for me next week. Like I said, we've got MMA all day long over the next 48 hours. Three fights, I'm sorry, four fights in three days. So you've got, uh, you have everything kicking off with one championship pursuit of power coming from Kuala Lumpur. You have Bellator 202. In Thackerville, the Windstar uh, Casino and Resort. Then we've got the Boise, Idaho card of UFC, UFC Boise, which I think is Fight Night 133. But before that will be Bellator 203 coming from Italy, where you have uh, Pitbull, Patricio Pitbull, defending his featherweight title. Actually, the featherweight title is being defended in both of the cards 202 and 203 it's just the women's featherweight at 202 and the men's featherweight at 203 so uh, that's what we've got on deck for you next week for aftermath and it's been your man the voice with the bearded wonder himself josh musel until next time take in all the fights and come back for more Aftermath. Take care. See ya.